Hello and welcome to Gibraltar Stories. I'm Lindsay Weston. This week, with just under a week to go before Halloween, this episode is looking at some of Gibraltar's ghost stories. This episode comes with a health warning, though. Listeners of a sensitive nature and young children may not enjoy all of the subject matter in the episode. It does get a little bit gruesome in places, so may not be your cup of tea. If you think it's not for you, please give it a miss. Gibraltar, just like any other city, has a whole host of ghost stories and spooky legends, the most famous of which is probably the Grey Lady of the Convent, the ghost of a young nun who was bricked up in the walls of what's now the governor's residence to prevent her from eloping with her lover. There are tales of long-departed soldiers still making patrols through the many miles of tunnel throughout the rock. And Moorish Castle, which I can see below me with its long history from the time of the Moors through the many sieges and more recently the site of the old Gibraltar prison has lots of legends attached to its crumbling walls. Jackie Anderson's a writer and a member of the Independent Writers and Artists Group in Gibraltar. She's currently collecting an anthology of Gibraltar ghost stories. We caught up for a coffee recently in a rather busy cafe. I hope the background noise doesn't detract from the interview too much for you. I started off by asking her how she became interested in ghost stories in the first place. Look, everybody, I think, is a little bit interested in ghost stories. We all have this fascination for the unknown, uh, for the scary, and I think um, humanity has been telling itself, we've all been telling ourselves for generations, millennia, stories about the dark and about the night and about good and about evil and ghost stories very often are actually based on that essential fight between good and evil between survival and death and and therefore we have this natural fascination for it so I think that's in me anyway Um, there was an awful lot of storytelling when I was a child I think us Gibraltarians have just got this knack for telling stories when we gather into little family groups and so on and, and growing up in the patios of, of old Gibraltar in the upper town there was an awful lot of that going on and we used to spend a lot of time listening to older people and their superstitions obviously all came through to us as children and then the years went by and, and we got busy and working and modern life sort of flushes that a lot out of your system but about 15 or so years ago, I was running after-school and nursery after-school clubs for children, school-age kids, and kids are fascinated with ghost stories. Um, so, during um, particularly the half terms, the autumn half terms, which are always based around Halloween, there was a, a demand from the kids, shall we say, about let's tell ghost stories. And of course, in the UK, you know, the afternoons get dark very quickly, and there's this real atmosphere about the build-up towards the end of October. We had to ask the parents' permission to talk about things like ghosts and scary stories, and, and they were never particularly bad, but that's how it all started. You know, we'd take the kids on school trips, or they weren't school trips, they were after-school trips, um, go to various copses and woods around, you know, where, where we lived in Kent, which can look quite spooky on a misty afternoon even. You know, the trees are all bare, no leaves. And it's quite atmospheric, and we just used to make up stories as we walked through the trees or drove back in the dark or sat and, and had some hot chocolate and marshmallows waiting for mums and dads to pick them up. That's where the stories started, essentially, and sort of making them up on the spur of the moment. Yeah. 
And Gibraltar itself has quite a few quite famous ghost stories, hasn't it? No, it has. And um, I only started really looking at them in the last few years, just very slowly, very sort of, uh, you know, in between lots of things I do in my busy life. Um, But of course, it's got such a deep military history that some of the ghost stories, shall we say, of, of, of Jib are really quite gruesome. I mean, there's some really nasty stuff that emerges when you start talking to people and start looking at some of the myths and legends. And one of the things that I've sort of looked into a little bit is the fact that most legends have got a kernel of truth. They start with this tiny, tiny atom of something that may well have happened many, 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 many years ago. And gradually, that story, as it gets retold from person to person, generation to generation, is embellished, it's altered slightly, and we don't, you know, we end up with a story rather than uh, history. But I do believe that stories, and, and very essentially, actually, ghost stories, touches something in people that can lead us back a little bit to the way people thought, not so much to the way people lived, although that's touched on too, but the way people thought. Um, and that's what fascinates me, and Jib has got some really, really interesting things going bump in the night, shall we say. <laughs> so you're trying to collect ghost stories at the moment, aren't you? I am. I'm doing it very, very, like I say, very slowly, very sort of informally. My ears tend to prick up if anybody sort of says anything, and there are some that I remember anyway from, from being a child and, and people telling me. Um, the one that I've been writing about most recently is, uh, is about Moorish Castle, and that's got a really gruesome history. And in fact, if the team from the horrible history books came over, they'd, they'd have a field day up there, I think. Um, you know, obviously, it's the scene of many a siege, many a battle, the kind of cruelty that was imposed on people that were perhaps apprehended for stealing a, a loaf of bread and then languished in jail in the dungeons for for years and years and were disposed of eventually because nobody knew what to do with them and they were just executed summarily. So it's got some really quite interesting stuff. I mean, there's, there's tales of um, people being killed um, and their bodies being dissolved in lime uh, and the lime and the sludge that's left over used for mortaring up the walls. And oh, my word. I <laughs> don't know if you can use that. <laughs> But that's the stories, and, and I remember as a little girl, my neighbours saying, oh, at night the walls scream, the walls of the castle scream, so you mustn't go out at night. Because that's a whole other thing about ghost stories. We do use them to try and modify behaviour from one generation to the next. So um, that was quite an interesting one. I lived near Norwich Castle. It always terrified me. still does, I think. Well, it's very, it kind of looms on the hill, doesn't it? That's, yeah. that, there is a, a presence. There is, whatever it is, even when it's floodlit. <laughs> Exactly, it's got such a dominance in our landscape. It was bound to have a dominance in our thought um, and in our way of thinking and, and in our stories. But, um, you know, and it was a prison for I don't know how long. And prisons have got lots of connotations about suffering to them, you know, and maybe not modern prisons, although I know that modern prisons have got their own problems. But certainly in the old days and certainly during the early um, time of the British being here, there was a lot of torture, there was a lot of cruelty, there were beatings and floggings. Uh, hangings and goodness knows what going on within those prison walls and um, there is a, a train of thought that's I'm not sure whether I believe it or not I tend to be quite a cynic actually even though I do get fascinated with ghost stories not much of a believer myself personally but there is a train of thought that that believes that the energies um, of 
those emotions that people experience in certain places are somehow, I don't know, trans, transformed or, or they're fixed onto the, the material of the place that they're at, you know, and, and they stay there, they resonate through the ages. Um, so that's kind of quite, just quite an interesting thing. I'm not sure I believe it, to be honest, but the stories are jolly good and they're very entertaining, so that's why I like it. I guess the fact that Gibraltar is steeped, I mean, as everywhere is, everywhere is steeped in history because it's been here since the word go, but in Gibraltar so many things have happened. It's been central to so many big periods in, in world history. It's bound to leave a little bit of a ghost story legacy each chapter, isn't it? No, absolutely it does. I mean, another one of those little stories that um, I'm beginning to sort of scratch the surface of at the moment is the story that somewhere at the north end of Jib, somewhere up the rock, there is a cave and it was um, supposed to be home to some kind of man-eating demon, okay, some flesh-eating demon. And somewhere along the line, people have said that there were people that used to come into town and steal babies and take it up, you know, as sacrifices for this demon. Now, it all seems really, really far-fetched, and I'm sure most of it is. 99% of it will be. But we mustn't forget that actually Gibraltar was somewhere that the Phoenicians came to, and the Phoenicians did have a selection of rather, rather nasty gods. And one of them... Um, and I can't remember the name, it begins with, with, with M, and I might you know, send that to you at some point, um, was actually um, a god that was worshipped through human sacrifices. And we do know that the Phoenicians were here, we know that the Greeks were here, we know that the Romans were here. So you can see the link between a flesh-eating demon in a cave up the rock and a cave where people would worship as a shrine some god that they would make sacrifices to. I don't imagine human sacrifice went on for very long, but death was involved, uh, whether it was a goat or a chicken or whatever, death was involved. And what a useful way of keeping people in line. Well, yes, you don't wander around late at night. <laughs> Absolutely not, and certainly not near Moorish Castle. No. Well, I have to say, I mean, it's been proven with historical fact that there was worship going on in caves, because just recently it's been... Um, some findings at Gorham's Cave Absolutely. were found of, of, of the Gorgon. Yes, that's right, Medusa and, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So obviously there is there is truth in this somewhere, whatever it might be. No, there is, and, and that makes you think. Well, okay, you know, there is that little kernel of truth is going to be there at the foundation of most legends. Um, on, on a total aside, one of the other things that I'm doing is I'm working very closely with my daughter. We're co-writing a book about the Jack the Ripper stories. And, you know, it, it, the Jack the Ripper stories are really quite gruesome. They're very nasty. We know they're true because we have got documented facts about them. But somehow they've become more of a legend. And, and pairing back the legend and getting to the truth of what happened is something that has fascinated people for, for decades. And it's very similar with ghost stories. You will get a story that's handed down and somehow somebody tells it one way. Uh, for example, there's a story about uh, some kind of, I don't know if it's a ghost or a man or supernatural being called El Tío Capote, which to me conjures up images of a tall chap dressed in black with a long black cloak, okay? And El Tío Capote was like the bogeyman, you know, he was going to come and get you. You didn't wander out late at night. You certainly didn't go up that bit... Um, What's it called? The distillery um, down your Roper Road, you know, with the big rock that sort of sticks oh, yes. out. You don't, you don't go around that way because El Dio Gabodo was there and he was a child snatcher, apparently. Um, and of course, those, those legends 
are often used to control what people do, or at least to get them to behave in what is considered a socially acceptable way for that generation, you know. So obviously mums wanted to keep their kids safe, so what a useful thing to terrify them into not sleeping at night, because I had an awful wonder about that, that El Tio Capote was going to come and get them, and that's, you know. But, but El Tio Capote, there are different versions of who he may have been and what he was like, and um, so, so everybody tells it slightly differently. Somewhere, I bet you there was some really nasty chat we used to terrify kids or, or do worse, you don't know. So are you actually seeking new stories? If, if somebody has got an interesting ghost story that you haven't come across yet, would you like them to get in contact with you? Absolutely, definitely. I am very, very slowly, and it might take me quite a long time because I'm, I'm you know, quite caught up with lots of things, but I'm very slowly putting together what I hope would be an anthology of these stories. The idea being that I will explore, first of all, the legend, the place, you know, um, like, for example, Moorish Castle, you know, what we know about it, what might have led to this particular idea that the, the walls are mortared up with the remains of human beings or there's bones in the nooks between the, the stones, um, and then create perhaps a piece of fiction derived from that. Um, and I think the two could sit quite nicely together and we'd have you know, a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of background to where that story actually came from. So it's not totally made up. There's a, there's a basis for it. And I would love to hear more. First of all, obviously, stories that I've never heard of. And every so often, somebody will come up with one. Um, I think everybody has heard of the Grey Lady at the convent. I mean, she is Gibraltar's most famous ghost. Um, poor girl, you know, because it's a very, very tragic story behind that. And it's an interesting story about society as well at the time. Um, but there must be lots of others, and I would absolutely love to hear them. Quite happy to sit down with, with people and listen to their ghost stories and jot them down if they're happy to tell me them. That would be super. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'll put your contact details in the show notes yes, for this please. episode, and, and then people, if they've got anything interesting, any tidbits to share with you. I'd love that. Brilliant. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you, Lindsay. If that's whetted your appetite for more, you can find some of Jackie's work on her blog. I'll pop a link for that in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a Gibraltar ghost story that you'd like to share with Jackie, please send her an email. The details of that will also be in the show notes. Thanks very much for taking the time to download and listen to this episode and for taking an interest in Gibraltar's stories. If you enjoyed the podcast and could find the time to leave a review on your chosen podcast provider and share it on social media, I would be very grateful as it'll help other people find the podcast more easily in future. You can listen back to any of the previous episodes on GibraltarStories.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And if you have a Gibraltar story that you'd like to share, please get in touch with me through Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or by email to GibraltarStories at gmail.com. The Gibraltar Stories podcast is presented, produced and edited by me, Lindsay Weston. Gibraltar Stories is taking a break for a few weeks, so until the next time, goodbye for now and thanks very much for listening.